This morning, our scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus 3, if you'd like to turn there with me. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord's day on which we can hear from your unchanging word. We ask that through Dan, you would feed your flock this morning so that we can cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we wind down our time on the attributes of God, this morning we're going to look at and discuss the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Perhaps one that's a bit simpler in its uh, approach than maybe the aseity or simplicity, some of the other things we have looked at that are very important for us on who our God is. And while maybe a bit simpler, it is no less important by God's providence, it's nice that this falls on a weekend of Thanksgiving when uh, we have a, a day off, a couple days off, some time set aside where we can hopefully step back and reflect on the many things we have to be thankful observe the goodness of God, to look at scripture and to lay it out and see how it testifies to the goodness of God and, and what categories that goodness of God falls in. And we'll look at a little bit of that. But really with the goodness of God, it is meant to be experienced. It's meant to be tasted. It's meant to be known because it really sets the, the environment in which we live our life is within the goodness of God, His blessings, His goodness to us. And so when you look, you'll hear a lot of the references, they come from the Psalms as we think about and we praise and we enjoy and we find pleasant and we, and we experience the goodness of God in our lives. Goodness, we'll define it, an early... Early philosophy, early on, as they would think about goodness and try to apply it to God, they sometimes led to this very narrow definition. Uh, philosophy, you think of goodness as almost equivalent to useful. And the idea of this, this whole universe, and as long as you can find your part and plug in and you are useful, then you are good. It would be the sense of, I'm like everyone else. We've been taking care of leaves, trying to clean up our yard during the fall. And we have a neighbor who had a battery-operated leaf blower for a long time. He got tired of it, got a new one, and he gave it to us. And so I had this old battery-operated leaf blower. And I'm out there. The, you know how those work. Like the battery lasts maybe 8, 10 minutes. 
and it doesn't blow very hard. So I'm working and it's just, it's not a good leaf blower. I get out the rake, after a few minutes, forget it. I went to the store and I bought a nice gas powered leaf blower. That's a good leaf blower. It's good, it's useful, it gets the job done. And that's not inappropriate, but it's very much too narrow. It, it's not nearly uh, magnificent enough to describe the goodness of God. Other ways we'll think about the goodness of God is in comparison. Like you might say, pizza. This pizza, it's good compared to this shop. Aiello's is good compared to this, and, but this is good compared to that. And we don't think of God's goodness in a sense of comparison, as if he is compared to anyone. But God's goodness is defined both in his essence, that the God who is, is a God who is good. In his essence, and as the fount of good, from which then he communicates that goodness to us. We think of it in his essence and in relation to him, how he is good to his creation and how he is good to his creatures. As it comes to thinking of God as being good in his essence, you'll find in, in systematic theologies and in church history that they end up just describing goodness with a lot of synonyms. And so you'll see it described this way. The Psalms do the same thing. That good, as it refers to goodness of God, is associated with, with the virtuous with the abundant, with the beautiful, with the ethically sound, with the pleasant. That when it speaks of the essence of God's goodness, it is, it is pure virtue, it is pure bounty, it is, it is truth, it is beauty. And then everything that we look around and see that has some good in it, some, some beauty in it, some pleasantness in it, it, is simply borrowing that from God and a reflection of that and pointing back to God. St. Augustine says it this way, God is the supreme good. God is the supreme good all things strive for, the fount of all good things, the good of every good, the one necessary and all-sufficient good, the end of all goods. This is the true and genuine character of God. Again, one reason we started with the idea of simplicity is that God isn't just pieces or components or parts that he's a little bit good and a little bit this and a little bit that but he is simple he is one in that in his mercy he is good in his eternality he is eternally good in his providence he is providentially good all of God's attributes all of his characteristics they are good at their essence whatever is holy or perfectly good is God. And whatever we would look around and see there is true goodness there, it borrows it from God and it points to God. God is good in the highest degree. Anything that is comely, anything that is excellent, anything that is desirable, the highest, the first good, that is God in his essence. <clears throat> Many narratives in scripture tell us that. Many scripture passages tell us that just make the statement that God is good. A few just if you're taking notes. Psalm 34.8. We started with Psalm 100 verse 5. Psalm 106 verse 1. All make the comment, the assertion that God 
is good. It belongs to his essence. But most often, when we see God's goodness, as we experience God's goodness, as we think about it, it's God's goodness as it relates to his creation. As he communicates that goodness to us, that's where we summarize and see his goodness. And in scripture, then there's a lot of attributes or characteristics then that fall under the umbrella of goodness, of God being good. And so we would say we experience God's goodness in different ways depending on our situation in life. So you could say that God's goodness is his benevolence, his kindness, his generosity, his patience, his charitability, his caring, his mercy, his providing. All of that would fall under the umbrella of God's goodness. And we experience all of those characteristics of God's goodness, some at more times depending on our life situation. For example, for those who are in misery, those who are in the midst of hardship, they experience God's goodness through mercy, through tenderness, through compassion. That God is benevolent and he is kind and when you're hurting and when you're sad, And when you're in misery, God is good to you in that comfort, in that mercy that he will bring. Think of of God's goodness to to his church and all of their ups and downs in their faith and their inconsistencies. We see God's goodness in his steadfast kindness or steadfast love. You'll see that term again and again in scripture. That God's goodness is, is demonstrated to us through faithful kindness, faithful love. For those who are struggling in sin, asking for forgiveness, and keep seem to falling in the same temptation again and again, you see God's goodness to us in his patience and in his forbearance. We all experience God's goodness to us in his grace. God is a good benevolent, generous God. We think of him in his majestic holiness and and his transcendence. We've looked at a lot of those characteristics and that high and mighty and exalted and eternal God is good and kind and benevolent always to us. That should encourage, rejoice our hearts Let's expand. We'll expand on this a little more. First, let's just look at God's goodness a little further. We're going to look at God's goodness in just a few different angles this morning. So when we think of God, we we think of this, that, that God is the only one who is originally good. Originally good. That he himself is goodness. It does not depend on anything out. His goodness does not depend on anything outside of him. In his very essence, he is originally a good God. All created goodness then streams forth from him. He is the fount of goodness, and it all streams forth out of him. Whereas none of us are good. Mark 10, 18, no one is good except the Father. 
His goodness is derived from no one. Our goodness is derived from him. All of creation, every creature, it depends upon God for its goodness. Only God is originally good. God only is infinite good. Which would make sense. If God is infinite, then he is infinite in his goodness. He is boundless. There is no limits. Often, especially in the Psalms, when you hear about the goodness of God, it's, it's described in that way as a fount of goodness, an abundance of goodness, that he is lavishing his riches, lavishing his goodness on us. It is limitless. It is boundless. He, he doesn't reach a point and that's it, no more. I've been as, as good as I can. His resources never run dry. And again, all goodness that we see simply borrowing a spark of that goodness from our God. It's abundant and overflowing. Zechariah 9.17 says, For how great is his goodness and how abundant his beauty. It is an infinite goodness. Thirdly, it's perfectly good. God is perfect in his goodness. He is consistent. It never fails. He is always perfectly good. <clears throat> I think this is a one that can sometimes be hard for us in our experience because it, we experience hardship. We experience things that don't seem good. As a result of the fall, there's thorns and thistles. There are things that don't seem good. And you can sit in your seat and look around and think, well, God seems to be really good to that person, only kind of good to me. And we can measure it on whatever uh, physical, material type blessings of, of God's goodness. And yet, Scripture would tell us God, in his perfect wisdom and omnipotent power, is perfectly good. He lavishes upon us exactly how we need it. Finally, God is immutably good. We've looked at the immutability of God, that he does not change. Same with God's goodness. He does not learn new information and then become better. He does not increase or decrease. He is perfectly good. It does not change. James 1.17 ties God's goodness directly to his immutability. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So when we understand God's goodness in this way, and then we look at Scripture and we see then how God, or who God, is good to. How then is he demonstrating that goodness? How do we see that playing out? So we see that God is good to all creatures. God is good to all creatures, all of his creation. Just listen to a few of these verses. Psalm 136 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 145 and verse 9, The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. Remember in Matthew 6, it talks about the Heavenly Father and his care, even for a, a, the sparrow. He is good to his creation. 
Psalm 104, verses 27 and 28, all look to you to give them food in their due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. You open your hand. They are filled with good things. Everyone, everywhere, all of creation, God is a benevolent creator to his creation. But further than that, we see that God is good even to the unbeliever, to the unregenerate. We call this common grace. The most well-known text on that, Matthew 5, 45, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This is a goodness, this is a grace that is, is non-redemptive, but it is true and it is real goodness and grace. You think on Thursday, Thursday is not just a time that only believers can be thankful for good things in their life. <laughs> Everyone can stop and see God's goodness in their life, whether they acknowledge it as good or not, whether they continue celebrating in their sin and resisting God or not. God is good, and he gives people good relationships. He gives them families. He gives them children. He, he gives employment where people can feel productive and, and they can earn a, a, a living and take care of their family. He gives them health. He gives them food, he gives them drink, he gives them all kinds of things that are good. All of this common grace is grounded in the goodness of God, that he is the fount of all good. It flows to all of creation. It flows to the unbeliever. And of course we see it specifically that it flows to his church. Listen to Psalm 84. Beginning in verse 9, Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Matthew 7, verses, in the middle of Matthew 7, you have the story of a father who provides for his children. And even if an earthly father, if that child comes and says, I'm hungry, they're going to give them some bread. They'll provide for them. They'll provide some protection for them. Then how much more will your heavenly father be good and care for you? Within the church, as believers, when we think of the goodness of God, it's demonstrated often in the context of his fatherhood, that he is our father, we are his children, and he is a kind and benevolent father. God is good to his church. Listen to Psalm 86, starting in verse 3, be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day, gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, you are good. You are forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. So we know that God is good. He is good in his essence. We see that explained. He is good in the way he communicates then to his creatures, to all people, and especially to his church. So as we step back then, I want to just highlight three areas that we see God's goodness. That if we're supposed to taste and see 
that the Lord is good. If that is the call, that's a call for us in order to take refuge in Him, in order to build our strength and our confidence, in order to find joy in our pursuit of life, He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So where do we look for it? First, we look in creation itself. God created, you see it in Genesis 1, again and again and again. It was good. It was good. It was very good. It's emphasizing here that God is good and His creation derives its goodness from its Creator. It's a reflection of its good God. You think of just the beauty of creation. The delight that we can find in creation of the the mountains, the oceans, the trees, the animals, the creatures. Our kids are always into animals and finding out little facts about them. We have those books like Bugopedia and Sharkopedia. And there's, it's really, even for an adult, quite amazing and fascinating and sightful. It, it, it's delightful. God is good in his creativity. God is good in creation. We shouldn't just walk with our heads down, never understanding the created goodness and the delight and the joy that it brings. And that goodness doesn't just happen, it's because God created it and it borrowed his goodness. It, it has his goodness reflecting to us, pointing us to our creator and king. We should see God's goodness in creation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Look around. Secondly, you see it in providence. You see God's goodness in providence. The Heidelberg definition of providence is so good. It says, the almighty, ever-present power of God, whereby, as it were, as it were by his hand, he still un- upholds the heavens and earth with all creatures, and so governs that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Acts 17, as Paul would reason on at Athens, at Mars Hill, he describes his guy, he says, He is not served by human hands as though he needs anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. When you look at God's providence and you see God's goodness, to taste and see that God is good, look at the family he's given you, the friends that he's given you. You think of even Thursday, the, sitting with friends and family, probably most of us, the food, the drink, the, the things that are delightful to the soul, the things that are beautiful, the things that bring so much joy and meaning to life, all are a reflection, all flow from the fount of God's goodness. Work, even in all of its toil and sometimes seeming fruitlessness, the, the ability to be, as God created us to be, to be creators and cultivators and productive, to see the fruits of our labor, to find the meaning and the purpose of that. That is a good gift as it reflects a good God. It becomes very easy for us. It's lazy, and so we're all good at it because we all have a little bit of laziness in us, just to see the worst things in life and only focus on that. The things we see as disappointing, the things we see as not good, 
and miss all of the blessings, not taste and not see, intentionally tasting and seeing the goodness of God because it's simpler and like momentarily more satisfying to grumble and complain, even though it lasts for a second. See that God is good. Finally, in creation and providence, thirdly, we see it in redemption, the goodness of God in redemption. I mean, you just walk through the gospel. He's given us the best gift. He's given us Jesus Christ. And with Christ is secured every good gift. Everything he will work for our good is secured because he has given us Jesus Christ. Every good promise of God is yes to us because of Jesus Christ. He's given us the Son, so he stands for us. His goodness flows to us in redemption. I know if I were to ask you, is God good? I think everyone would give the right answer. Yes, indeed. But do we really stop to taste and see that God is good? Does is that what is magnified in our life? I think if we do, if we stop and we taste and we see that God is good, I'll close with this. There's, I just have four things that Scripture seems to point out will be produced in our life. Tasting and seeing the goodness of God leads to several things, but leads at least to these four things. First is repentance. Romans 2, 4 says... Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? He's saying, do you think that you sit in such a place in your life that every good thing in your life, that somehow you made that happen or you merited it? And then you just complain about the things that aren't going well for you. Do you not understand God's goodness? You merit none of this. That it, it is a gift from God, his restraint, his, his blessings, all of that flows from God. Then it tells us that goodness, tasting, seeing that goodness, stopping and reflecting on that goodness should lead us to repentance. It, it, creation testifies to that to the unbeliever, the word testifies to the goodness of God. But to the believer as well, the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. Repentance of a prideful, selfish, complaining spirit. Tasting and seeing the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. Tasting and seeing the goodness of God should lead us to patience or should produce patience in our hearts. Lamentations that really beautiful lament there in Lamentations verse, chapter 3 verse 25 speaks of the goodness of God it says specifically the Lord is good and he is good to those who wait for him in the midst of lament God's goodness flows to us as we are patient I think what it's suggesting there, you see it in other texts, is when you do reach those difficult points in life and God's goodness isn't quite as easy to see, 
or it feels like there's things stacking up against me that are difficult, reflecting again in creation and in providence and redemption and seeing, oh, God has been abundantly, lavishly good to me. He is a good God. It should produce patience. And in that patience, we will once again taste and see the goodness of God. So it leads to repentance. It leads to patience. It leads to generosity. Again, just the principle as we reflect our Savior that goodness is abundantly lavished upon us. It is generously bestowed. God is benevolent in his goodness to us. It should produce a generosity in our lives to others. A generosity in our giving, whether that's finances or time or energy, whatever that might be, that we are generous in our souls as we taste and see the goodness of God. And finally, it should lead to thanksgiving. Heart of gratitude. We should be thankful, grateful people. Encouraging our great our thanksgiving when we gather together to worship, but encouraging our thanksgiving in just the way that we live. Thanksgiving or gratitude really works as a magnifier, I think. In this way that it if you have a grumbling, complaining spirit, you're always magnifying the disappointments. You're magnifying what you think you deserve and you're not getting. And so it magnifies, and that becomes really the context of your relationships, the context of your work, the context of how you live your life, is I'm always magnifying the disappointing. And so there's a lot of self-pity. There's a lot of grumbling. There's a lot of complaining. People don't necessarily want to be around you. That's just the way it is. Where someone who is thankful, who has a spirit of gratefulness, it is magnifying, but it's magnifying the good. It's magnifying the beautiful. It's magnifying the virtuous. All of those blessings that we see. And magnifying it, magnification happens in a couple different ways, right? With the microscope, you take something little and you, you blow it up and you understand, oh, I bring it into view. This is beautiful. Some of those small things in life we have to be thankful for. But magnification also works like the telescope where you take something that is immense and great and amazing but kind of out of view or we don't think about it very much and and the telescope takes that thing and it brings it into view so it truly captures our minds and our, our view. And, and gratefulness and thanksgiving does that is it, it takes the whole context of our life Everything we have that, ref- that flows from God's goodness, but we just don't uh, intentionally understand or see that it is God's goodness, and it, it pulls it into view and gives us grateful hearts. And thanksgiving should be produced by God's goodness, and that thanksgiving should magnify the beautiful, the virtuous, the good things that God gives to us. Even as we, as a church, corporately think about it, you know, we're all so grateful in the moment for this building that God's given us. But last week, as Jim and I walked into a boiler leaking everywhere, that gratitude can quickly crumble away. And it becomes, wow, the world's stacked against me. And it was Monday, and Anna was like, why are you in such a bad mood? (laughs) And you just, 
it's quick to kind of let the one disappointment become the atmosphere in which you live instead of the goodness of God tasting and seeing that God is good. Might he grant us as, as individuals, as families, as a church, that we would daily, weekly experience that, know that, taste and see that indeed God is good in his creation, in his providence, in his redemption to us. We take a moment individually in your seats, reflect on that, the things that you have to be grateful for. Like God produce that repentance, patience, generosity, and thanksgiving as we see God's goodness. God's good to his people. He gives them a land flowing with milk and honey. A good land. God has blessed us with so much. Take a moment, think through those things, and we'll respond corporately in just a moment.